We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm up your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. To get the best blue light glasses on the market, use our URL felixgrayglasses.com backslash CMOS girlies. Non-prescription and prescription are available. Check them out now. felixgrayglasses.com slash CMOS girlies. Free shipping, free returns, free exchanges. felixgrayglasses.com slash CMOS girlies. Hey CMOS girlies. Kate and Emma finally set up their microphones. What's up dog? Happy Sunday. Yeah, I, it's like weird because we like don't have a feedback loop. So if like audio gets wild, you guys, sorry, sorry. not sorry. We should probably get headphones, but I don't want to spend money if I don't have to. So we're going to stick with the lo-fi themes and, you know, see what happens with this. So yeah, if audio sounds great, amazing. If not, sorry, not sorry. Yeah. That's us, girlies. It's been a long time since we potted. Our last episode, we did a crossover with Dewey Dudes, which I feel like was decades ago that we recorded. You guys commented that our voices sounded good on that one, so I figured we should actually set these up. Um, today's episode is about meat, so if you tapped in, we're going to talk a lot about it. You know, we still get comments on the meme page like, aren't you guys vegan? And I don't know how we missed that. I also don't feel like we needed to announce that we're not vegan, even though we've mentioned it in countless podcast episodes that we haven't been vegan for a while. But of course, uh, I don't know if you people like these part of our podcast ever since we changed the logo to being the little SpongeBob one. We now have just done a little shit talk intro section. So that's what we're going to get into now. Um, my first point is that I'm back and running, which was um, a big pain point for me of the past two months, not being able to run. And it was really disappointing, all that stuff. I feel like every podcast intro, I bitch about it. And it's really weird because I've had injuries before. And then one day you wake up and you're just like, fine. You're just like, oh, I forgot what the pain felt like. And I'm always going through injury too. How's your injury going, dog? I feel like we haven't even chatted yeah, off. Yeah, I know my injuries were like pretty much fine. I like kind of have like shin splints, which is like normal. I've just been like lifting a lot more. Um, I've been enjoying that. I kind of have like ADHD when it comes to exercise and I get like really hyper fixated on one form of like yeah. movement. So I've been lifting a lot just because I actually like just for like physical goals, I like want to build more muscle and that's definitely like a different type of like high compared to like getting the runners high, but I've been like running here and there, but definitely just like, yeah, prioritizing lifting, but you know, there's something new every day. So I could wake up tomorrow feel like I want to run or I could wake up tomorrow and like have another crazy muscle strain. So always keeping myself on my toes, but yeah, it's exciting that you're able to run again. Yeah. It feels good. I also feel that ADHD. Remember when I was jump roping like every day, like I forgot about that phase. I ran to there's some regulars on the West side highway and regulars. I mean, old people, there's this one old guy that jump roped and now we're buds. And he reminded me that I have a jump rope the other few days. I thought about it. And then I'm like, that would probably fuck up my Achilles and calves. It just it, entirely jumping on it would be a strain. So I didn't do that. Um, my next point is TikTok has ruined wellness. This is like not even a new take. I feel like we've said this in intros, but I just hate people on TikTok that are wellness TikTokers because it is 
entirely just fucking with CMOS girlies in the sense of like, I feel like people are like, oh, Kate and I'm are like into gut health, like ew, just like all the TikTok girlies that are like gut health experts. And it sucks when something not becomes mainstream. I'm not like gatekeeping health and wellness. Like I want people to be healthy and find things that work for them. But just when like loud voices like preach misinformation or like the gut health thing is like orthorexia and it's like all about like super detox and like reducing all the types of food you ate eat and just being really restrictive with food like that's not what I am into when I am passionate about gut health and all of the medical experts that you guys probably listen to on podcasts and I just hate every time I scroll on TikTok and I see like wellness content it's still just like the that girl stuff and the gut health stuff that's like so dumb and I feel like we like make memes and it's like yeah whatever like there's a certain audience that like follows our memes but I'm sometimes I'm just like god I wonder if people think that Emma and I like we have an ad for athletic greens that runs in the podcast like athletic greens is not the same as that like bloom nutrition that you see all the fuck over tiktok like we know like the founders of those companies and stuff and like have talked about the efficacy of them and yeah that's just one thing that i've been reflecting on is like damn i really don't hope people think that emma and i are in that same like stupid camp of like i think it's it's like definitely frustrating i mean especially you know when i read comments or like reviews and i think like people who like don't religiously listen to the podcast definitely probably like get that vibe just because it's like oh two white girls like talking about health and wellness which is like so infuriating and I'm also just like tired of making real of people making like really quick like generalizations about like the content that we create like nothing that we do is like very orthorexic or like promotes any type of like eating disorders like we talk a lot about like our personal experiences with that but yeah I just like kind of in general like social media I've just been like so fucking irritated with like everyone and everything like I like truly just like need to like block every like influencer on social media and I think there's been like a lot of talk on TikTok about like people just being like fed up with influencers not like I'm not yeah. like whatever picking on you specifically but no. that one just girl like really video fucking like- exhausting like seeing these like girls just like you know prounce around like think that like oh just like going to like workout classes or like you know wearing like Aritzia stuff and like going shopping during the day is like productive Hard. and it's like so frustrating knowing oh, that, that like, one girl is probably making about- like 10 million not 10 million dollars but like probably 10 times the amount more than like you know just the average you know person who's like working a traditional nine to five and I just like it like I like can't deal with any of it like I've just been like in such a pissed off mood like that's all that like my feet has been no and same. I need to like do some sort of fucking cleanse but I like literally need like influencers like to die <laughs> no yeah I, the one girl made the video of like how are you guys not productive whatever oh my god oh she made a comment of like oh people are laying in bed all day and I'm like you're not making a comment of like oh people that are at work are unproductive on the job like when people are off the job why the fuck do you care if they're laying in bed like I just found that comment to be so weird like it wasn't in any also productive like go suck Ryan O'Regan's dick like why do you care about productivity and like as you were saying the I really wonder how much money now that I kind of know rates and stuff generally for influencer shit of like how much this girl makes with like millions of followers for like a stupid like 15 second post and she's getting roasted in all of her videos of like oh aren't you working so hard today and I think I've been navigating like I don't view me doing this as a long-term career by any means yeah and whenever I like post videos now I'm like I don't even know what to post that isn't like not tone deaf per se. Like I'm not making like stupid like comments like her, but something that is like relatable. But I also feel like there's a whole category of like curated relatable where yeah. it's like, it's like, oh, I'm going through it too. And like, I-, I have struggles and shit and like, I'm a real person and like, Emma, you know me, but it's very weird to be like, perform like everything you post as a performance. Generally. Yeah. And I think that's what I hate about social media now. Like I like never really post just like, like, I truly just feel like it's like so cringe for like yeah. any regular person to post now. And I think it's like definitely ruined kind of like what made social media so special. And like, you know, cause when we were all growing up, you know, it was definitely like the Tumblr era days and like Pinterest and like, there wasn't really any like sense of like you know cool. kind of curating your own like personal styles like you just like reposting the other cool like images and everything you kind of like found these like really small niche communities and then like everything blew up and so now it's like everyone feels like they like need to be part of this like huge yeah. like I don't know like microcosm of like you know being like you know this like perfect aesthetic person or whatever yeah like I think it's really hard to find and I feel like and I'm really hoping that you know with like the rise of like you know Geneva and other communities that there will be kind of like you know the rise again of these like you know more niche communities but I don't really feel like social media will ever be be the same and it doesn't really feel like a fun playground that's like really like allowed for like everyone now which has been like you know a struggle for me because I just like I feel like I used to post a lot more when I was younger and like didn't think much above it but now I think there's like so much like second guessing when it does come to posting I'm like 
does this just like feel like I'm like trying too hard? Um, so I feel like that's been like something that I've been like tra- trying to navigate because like social media, you know, like we grew up with it, right? Like, so yeah. we, or it was like definitely that- part of like our like identity and like, you know, discovering ourselves. And I feel like I like don't have any outlet for that anymore, which has, I think, been like a really big pain point for me recently. Yeah. And I think like you were saying, when we were growing up, there wasn't any rules or any format to follow. Yeah. It wasn't like I'm following, I'm posting this. It's like my Bella Hadid inspo, like all of the dupes, all of the trends, there always have been trend cycles in fashion, but the way that it's so fast, I fucking hate. I hate when I walk out the door and then people are like, oh, she she's wearing this shoe that is, she's following this trend. Or I just hate how much information I feel like is in my brain. Like you're saying, I genuinely don't know. Like when people were first on YouTube, they had so much creative control. And I just feel like there were very distinct YouTubers that would make really interesting videos that I wouldn't think of. And now when I go on TikTok, it's so predictable of what the fuck I'm going to get. And mm-hmm. it's so predictable when I create videos too. Like I remember when I was in Copenhagen and I brought around my like dorky camera, I was like trying to get back to a place about like, what would I film if I was like 16 and like, didn't have this idea of like what you need to post of like a, what a day in my life is like as a, whatever influencer, it's just, it's random because I've been reflecting a lot about social media too, from the sense, like, I think when I first got into it, I was really cringing at the fact that this is my job now just from like all the baggage that comes with being an influencer and like the dumb parts of the job but then at the same time I was like okay you had a fashion blog in high school you have always kind of posted about running and outdoor voices I was going through my Instagram archive so it is something that I have built up the capacity to do and like validating the fact that one I like it and even if it is like dumb in some ways like work is work is work um but I really don't know like creativity and stuff like that even like I posted a few months ago like my in and out list and now that's like a thing on TikTok not saying that I started it or anything like that but I'm just like it's so fucking annoying like how much TikTok is just like copying all the same stuff all the time there's never it's like people know as a creator you have to go on that platform look at the trending sounds look at the trending videos and hop on it super fast to get views and I just hate that that's what the algorithm like prioritizes with it right yeah yeah Yeah, it sucks (laughs) I hate it I feel like that's just been like truly like the biggest like frustration in my life and I and it's like silly that I'm letting social media bother me so much but I think it's just like also I think it's also a byproduct of just living in New York City so it's just like amplified even more yeah and that's why I'm like really craving like going home even though I like just left the city like recently I'm just like I need to like be back with like regular folks who like don't give a shit about like any of that because I truly just like feel so much more at peace but I also think like you're saying too the way that we used to post on it with like there's some people that I follow that I haven't talked to in five years and they don't really post a lot, but I always wonder like when they do post a random Instagram story in a random country, I'm like, Oh, what are they up to? Like, I wish I could hang out with them. Right. Like I think people probably look at your posts and are are like, whenever you do post or like myself or something. And it's like people that we hung out with in early college days. Like, I think we're all craving that connection, but I feel like everyone is like wondering what everyone else's motives are with social media. And like, doesn't know if people are bullshitty or not. I feel like I'm a lot of people I went to NYU with and stuff, I look at their posts and I'm like, would they feel like I'm cool enough to hang out with them? And like, why is that even the thought going through my head? Um, yeah, I don't know. And like, be real. I got on it. It's like the dumbest fucking app. It's like so staged. Like every time the notification goes off, someone like it's li- literally calculated, like what people post and it's supposed to be like, quote, the realest app ever. Just like an odd concept to me. Also, but... it's like, I don't care what you're doing at like 2 p.m. Like you're probably like on your computer answering emails, like same. <laughs> yeah, like it's not, it's not like exciting or sexy. I feel like that's what it was supposed to be, but it's just so limited that I'm like, you can't really like message people. You can't really like do anything. Like, how is this even a social media app? Like, I kind of look at it as like, like an app that tracks your step, like tracks your steps for the day. Like it's, you can't get that much. It's not as like expansive as other platforms. So I don't no. get how it's like the next big thing. Like it just seems very Small. I need to get on back onto Tumblr. I need to just like only be on Pinterest and Tumblr. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm like fully on my Pinterest grind recently, just like looking at shit, like whatever. Um, my next point, I don't know. I got my period like in two weeks. Like I got it two weeks ago, just got it again today. I haven't gotten my period in like in over a month. So I'm back on that amenorrhea tree. <laughs> yeah, love for us. Um, I recently started working with Flow Living. I don't even know if I'm gonna start working with them long term, whatever, but I wanted to work with them to try out supplements and like give them feedback and kind of just like get education about them because Mm -hmm. I read the books and I just was curious like what supplements do they even sell and they like a lot of pills like it it's a lot of pills and they sent like formula like a little cue card or a cue what am I thinking not a cue card you are Uh, no 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 an index card what the fuck card index card um of like take this one on this day this one on this day but it genuinely is like 12 pills a day 
And I'm like, what the fuck? So I haven't committed to it yet. And I also don't know when, cause I'm going to start it on my next cycle, but I don't know if like this cycle is good. Anyways, it's very overwhelming. People ask me to like review flow living. Like I haven't gotten into it yet. I haven't put my levels tracker on. Emma has her as on as you guys know. I, okay. Well, I don't have mine on anymore because so you have to remove it. Like you have to put a new one on after like 10 days. And I think I just like didn't let, cause you have to like, obviously like alcohol swab your like area and then wait for your skin to dry to then like stab, not stab yourself. Cause I don't want to like freak people out, but like, you know, Explicit. put the transmitter on, but I just didn't follow those instructions. And so I tried the second, like, whatever, my next transmitter just like fell off my arm right away. And I was like, mm. oh, okay, that's great. That's and so then I tried the second one, same thing. And I was like, fuck my life. But I'm kind of fine with it. Like, I think I like what I like learned from level stuff was like helpful, but it's like stuff that I already knew. And also it's like, I'm just not at the point where I think I care enough to like change my habits that much. There were some things that were interesting. Like I definitely noticed that like my glucose levels did spike when I would have like prebiotic soda, which I guess kind of makes sense because there's usually like artificial sweeteners, which can still, you know, spike your blood glucose. Um, and I found that like different types of, you know, carbohydrates would spike my blood glucose, glucose more than others. But I mean, other than that, it's like, it's all stuff that I know. Um, so I, I like learned what I needed to learn. Um, but maybe to talk about some new food moments for us, I am in my dairy era. Um, I've been eating Greek yogurt a lot. I am. I'm also like, of course, you know, spooked out by, you know, does yogurt actually contain probiotics after the whole coconut coal conversation? Um, so I've been eating the coconut coal yogurt for like probiotics specifically, but then I've just been like lifting a lot more and I've been wanting to increase protein. And I have just found that it's been a lot easier with dairy. So I've been eating a lot of Greek yogurt at first. I kind of hated the taste because I was so used to coconut yogurt, but it's like one of those things. I think once you start eating it a lot more, you get used to it. Um, I've also been eating cottage cheese. I discovered a new pack with cottage cheese, which I am gatekeeping, but no one is able to judge until you've tried it. But it's so crazy because I, everyone's always like, yeah, like, you know, yogurt makes my skin break out. And I was breaking out. Um, but I realized it was not from dairy. It's from my God forsaken youth to people moisturizer. Cause I like stopped using that. I was like, you know what? Something feels sus about this. So I stopped using that. I've only been moisturizing my face with rose oil and acne has gone away and I'm still eating my dairy. So look at that. There is hope. If you feel like you might break out from dairy you actually may not break out from dairy. And if you are breaking out and eating dairy, maybe it's not dairy. Maybe it's just your skincare products. Damn. Yeah. I know youth to people stuff had never worked for me. That shit just fell off my face when it, it just felt very watery. Um, yeah. Cottage cheese. That's going to be a big no from me from the texture department, but curious on your uh, situation there. I haven't really been thinking about dairy. You know, I went to Minnesota, I ate a lot of ice cream. I think I, I've been treating coconut yogurt more like a supplement where I'm like eating like the actual serving size versus like eating half the jar of coconut cult and being like, oh, that was $8. Whoops. There I go again. Um, I've been eating a new thing called midday squares. I haven't had them. They're good. Yeah, no, I hadn't ever seen them on the internet. I'm shockingly enough, but got them and they're like a great pre-run snack. I just like struggle with like I overthink really like what to eat before and after a run and then I feel like I attribute my success of my run to like what I ate and before and after and there's so many things that go into a fact of like why you have a good run and a bad run and I don't know why I always like fixate on like food like Kate maybe you just like didn't do a proper dynamic warm-up or maybe you're stressed about something or maybe like you didn't drink enough water or didn't sleep enough. Um, so I have been eating those and I watched a lot of videos on TikTok of people eating like pop tarts before they run like super long distance runners and just you know kind people, of eat- a lot of people eat are rice crispy treats, at least for like yeah, when they lifting. go and lift. Yeah. Yeah. So I've just like worried less about, I feel like not, not even, this isn't even like orthorexic. I feel like people are going to like be like, Oh, Kate, now I'm orthorexic. No, it's just like, I don't buy a box of pop tarts. So I don't have them sitting around. Sorry. But I think I've just been confused about what portion size I can digest and feel good. And I have energy from, and even though I guess the midday squares are kind of like a, just like a chocolate, like they're there's, I didn't really know what else was in there. There's some dairy in there. Um, this is getting long and winded, but they're, they're a good pre run snack. That's what I was saying. Yeah, My, my pre-workout snack is just a tablespoon of nut butter with some honey and it does me good. 
Yeah, like I feel like sugar is a, a good one there. Um, I God, Emma, I was gonna tell you this before I start recording. I have to like make like a TikTok like about like a, a food recipe and like I, you you know how we eat. It literally is like dungeon food. It looks terrible. Yeah. And I'm like scared that I have to like show what I eat and like I don't know. I don't know because I'm gonna put all my hippie wellness stuff in there. Like I'll say this to the CMOS girlies, but I just feel like my TikTok audience is like a full different genre of people. I'm just gonna be like one teaspoon of maca powder, like cordyceps, like collagen, like bee pollen, and everyone's gonna be like, explain everything. Like, why do you have psyllium husks? And I'm just gonna. I don't wanna. I don't wanna answer it. I, you know? I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even acknowledge the questions that come through in regards <laughs> yeah. to like what is that mysterious powder. I'm just going to get, I mean, you win some, you lose some, anything you post on the internet, people are going to talk shit about. So I've learned Mm -hmm. recently, but um, yeah, I'm going to be doing that tomorrow. So we'll see what my cricket protein uh, mukbang (laughs) looks like for the fucking internet to see. But today's episode is about meat. Um, I was looking through all of our podcasts and I was like, Emma, we did a whole podcast about like eggs and we haven't done one about meat, which is like a lot bigger of a category when it comes to Mm -hmm. like climate change, when it comes to food. Um, And and we've done a lot of episodes about food and climate change. So if you're new here, you can go back down the chutes and ladder and listen to those because we're going to talk about obviously like carbon emissions and industrial agriculture, but we do a much more in-depth one through those episodes. We also have a whole episode about fish, which kind of I bring up here, but it will come up in those episodes better. So yeah, um, I don't know. We'll come up with a funky title later, I, I think, but let's let's get into the meat talk shall we let's chat about meat let's have have the meat chat we could honestly make a really funny like explicit title for this like like let's talk about meat like I don't know something like like let's talk about meat that's not explicit well you know I'm just thinking like meat like that could mean like a penis like (laughs) like uh oh we'll think title pending all right I'll call you back we'll get into it bye We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, CMOS girlies. We have to tell you all about our favorite new plant-based protein powder by Sprout Living. They're so delicious, so clean, and really much more than just your standard protein powder. Now, what really makes them different is that they avoid a lot of the unnecessary additives that many others on the market use. That means they don't use any gums, thickeners, or natural flavoring, which isn't really natural at all. Instead, they only use real, whole superfoods and adaptogens, which is great because it makes the blends multifunctional. Their Epic Protein Pro Collagen Blend, for example, also contains ingredients that help boost the body's own natural production of collagen. How cool is that? They have tons of different flavors. There's truly something for everyone to love. Check them out and use the code CMOSGirlies for 20% off your order. Our next partner is a product that Emma and I take every single day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted to find a greens powder that actually blended together. The taste is hands down the best greens powder I've been able to find. It even has a mild tropical taste and you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, adaptogens, you name it. For me, I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. I've always known that taking a greens powder is a great addition to one's wellness routine, but I could just never get past the unpleasant taste. This completely changed once I started taking Athletic Greens. It tastes so good that I actually look forward to drinking it every morning, something I never knew was possible. Plus, Athletic Greens contains dairy-free probiotics, and let me tell you, my digestion has never been better. Another thing that Emma and I love is that it's the one thing with the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. 
It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go visit athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hey, CMOS girlies. We know you spend hours scrolling and liking our memes on your phones. Hey, Emma, have you heard about the dangers of blue light? Oh, girl, am I aware? From the headaches to the blurry vision, I am a victim of blue light. Did you know that exposure to blue light at night can lower the production of melatonin, the hormone that regulates sleep? Even though your girlies take your magnesium before bed, we suggest you check out Felix Gray lenses to help with blue light exposure. Kate and I are wearing our glasses as we we record this ad because the Felix Gray lenses filter 15 times more blue light that can make screen time tough on the eyes. To get the best blue light glasses on the market, use our URL, felixgrayglasses.com slash cmosgirlies. Non-prescription and prescription are available. Check them out now, felixgrayglasses.com slash cmosgirlies. Free shipping, free returns, free exchanges, felixgrayglasses.com slash cmosgirlies. All right, let's talk about meat. Emma and I were just (laughs) talking about our goofy little thoughts, but we'll get into the pod now. So to start off, as I mentioned, uh, go back down the podcast a little bit if you want to hear about the food and climate change episodes, because we did a lot there about veganism. We did some stuff about food and climate change and carbon emissions and all that. So you might have to come to this episode with a little bit of baseline knowledge because we're just going to skim some parts. Okay. so starting off to carbon emissions, if you're like, Kate, what is that? Food production basically has environmental impacts if you've not considered that before because it uses water and land. There's also slaughter of animals. That is the cycle of making food and people eat it, people buy it, a food waste, all that stuff. Got it. Um, so if you are able to eat foods with that require fewer resources that don't contribute to greenhouse gas emissions, it's often to said that it is better for the planet. Now, this gets into the whole individual action debate of like voting with your dollar. Like if you eat less meat, you are saving the world. The carbon footprint thing was created by BP oil in the 1980s to offset responsibility of them creating a lot of fossil fuel production. So this episode isn't going to make you feel bad of what you are doing Basically, like if you're vegan or vegetarian, it's likely to be more sustainable. Yes, you're going to be having a less of a carbon footprint, perhaps, but it's very nuanced as why you should give up meat, who should give up meat, is it okay to culturally, ethically, financially, can you do it? And so this is not going to be like an episode of like, here's why you should eat meat or shouldn't eat meat. But as in the background, um, talking a little bit about industrial agriculture and industrial livestock. So livestock is responsible for about 14.5% of global greenhouse emissions. So if you're like me and you can't really grasp like huge numbers when it comes to climate change, don't worry about it. Just think that a lot of what's happening to climate change does relate to our food system. So it is something to consider when you are making everyday choices. Okay. But the entire agriculture industry compromises about 10% of emissions, but something like transportation is almost about 30%. So it's really important to keep in mind that like, yes, you can do a lot within your choices in the food system, but also like something like us flying planes and taking really efficient cars everywhere is also contributing to climate change. So a lot of things go into the whole thing, the whole thing of climate change here. Um, another part of livestock, it if we, we're looking at industrial livestock, it leads to de- deforestation, soil erosion, fresh water contamination, air pollution. Animal abuse is a big reason why a lot of people avoid industrial meat. We're going to get into like what is industrial meat in a little bit. But the great news is that not all meat is going to be raised in confinement. You can visit your local farmer's market and we're going to get into like kind of how do I fucking shop for meat? I know that when I was vegan and first started looking, I was so overwhelmed with certifications, like what was greenwashing, what was actually real, like was I eating food pumped with like hormones and all of those like scary food documentaries that you like hear about, like you're eating like the hormones of the animal. So um, we'll get into that. Uh, But you can like, you know, go to the farmer's market. If you have access to one, you can meet the producers, ask them about how they raise their animals and like hear directly from the source, which is really cool. A lot of people talk about food miles when it comes to climate change. This meaning like 
how far is the food from you? And if you think about like, if I got an avocado right now here in New York, definitely not grown in New York. So the transportation of the truck and the car and the plane and however it got to me, like that contributes to climate change as well. But in relation to everything related to like the food you're buying, it's more important about what food you're buying. So eating less meat is actually going to be a better sustainable choice than just like eating meat. So it's going to be eating less quality or um, less quantity of meat, if that made sense. So if you find yourself kind of like choosing between a couple of dinner options, like let's say local prawns versus like non-local fish, it's going to be from an emission standpoint, at least like the fish is going to be a better choice, even though it comes from farther away, just because like you think about how many like prawns were on that truck if you divided it into like how much was getting to you food miles isn't that big of a deal it's more about what you're eating and how frequently you're eating so I would just say like eat less meat if that makes sense um although food transportation has a small climate impact like I was just saying it's not true to products that travel by air so this is going to be like the things that are air freighted so most food actually travels by boat which is very interesting even avocados but it's worth noting that some products which travel by air and avoiding them when they're not in season since air travel is so bad for the climate so like a good rule of thumb for this is going to be avoiding fresh fruits and vegetables that have a short shelf life and that come from far away Things like berries, green beans, asparagus are ample examples of things that are often air freighted because they're probably not coming from the climate you live in. But locally sourced berries, green beans, and asparagus, like if you live near those things and they're in season, um, those have a low carbon footprint. So once again, it's just like eating things in season, being conscious of the fact that like, oh, I can't have a tomato all year round. Like we're so used to having just access to everything in our food system. So it's eating less meat and then eating locally are probably going to be the biggest lifestyle changes that you can do. Yeah. And I think kind of getting to our next point is like, can you even eat meat in a way that's like good for the environment? You know, I think a lot of the beyond meat propaganda and like, if you watch any vegan documentary, it's always, you know, you're always told that like meat's bad for the environment and you know, there's no way out of it, but there is kind of a case to be made for like how meat can be good for the environment. And again, like not all cattle and like how they're raised and all meat is going to be created equal. And I think also another thing just to keep in mind is that like, there's never going to be like a perfect situation where like any type of food is going to be like fully ethical because like, there's always going to be some sort of like environmental impact, just like, you know, when it comes to like producing and like growing food, but really like when cattle are grass fed and raised under like holistic management, the cattle can stimulate growth of grasses that basically absorbs carbon, which is like huge because our soil is like a really great way for, you know, the world or basically to like, you know, sequester carbon into the atmosphere. And so cattle that are managed through mob grazing, which is essentially like, you know, a way in which like the cattle will be kind of like eating on one area of grass and then they'll be forced or kind of moved on to like a new area to then like allow that original grass to regenerate. And basically through this process, this um, process basically allows carbon to be drawn down and then pushed through the roots to stimulate soil biology. And when looking at feedlots for conventionally raised meat versus grass-fed, a study shows that grass-fed operations actually reduce net carbon by 170% and feedlots actually increase net carbon emissions. So there is actually like a huge difference when it comes to kind of like, yeah, the environmental impact and, you know, 170 decrease in, you know, net carbon is like pretty significant and a comparative analysis also that was also done of true regenerative practices compared to those practices used to grow the GMO monocrop soy for the impossible burger found that you would actually need to eat one 100% grass-fed burger to offset the greenhouse emissions for the impossible burger. I think a lot of people have kind of come to the realization that like beyond burger and impossible burger are not actually like that healthy for you for like, you know, based off of ingredients, but also for the environment. And I think a lot of people, you know, veganism is kind of getting a backlash for that. Um, so like, yeah, you know, a plant-based burger may use less land or water, but also it's like growing nuts and soy with conventional practices to make this like lab meat can have severe negative impacts, especially with just like how, you know, conventionally, um, you know, farming practices occur with like tilling and everything. Like those are like just as harmful, if not more harmful than like having like a cattle graze on grass. And so regenerative agriculture farming systems, if you want to do research, Mark Hyman's done a lot of podcast episodes. There's a lot of like, you know, good YouTube videos, definitely do your own research. It's an interesting topic. Obviously it's kind of dry because it's like, it has to do with agriculture, but I think growing yeah. up from the Midwest, Kate and I are like somewhat interested in that. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, so regenerative agriculture farming systems, they've been studied to actually be like, you know, really one of like the best ways to improve soil health and the environment. And like animals are required and necessary for this part of the like ecological cycle to occur. And so I really don't think it's like, you know, valid to demonize cattle, but it's more like how these like farming systems are like managing the cattle that are being raised. I'm thinking of indigenous knowledge and like um, the book Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Kimner, it talks a lot about like, yeah, basically the reason we fucked up is capitalism and like colonialism. And that's why climate change is the way it is. And that's why we have like the big three when it comes to the ag system. So that's a good read if you want to get more into that. Now, when it comes to like the ethics of like what type of meat, I think this was something I was thinking a lot about when I first started eating meat again. Like I think red meat is just demonized like overall, regardless of like dietary choice you have. I feel like there's been so much push against it. But then it's like, wait, do I eat chicken? Do I eat lamb? Like, what do the certifications mean? And I think also it's frust- this conversation is probably frustrating and mind boggling because it's like, well, I can't do anything. I'm an individual, but I also can do stuff. I'm an individual. Um, and I think when it comes to like choices, for example, you could find yourself complicating everything. Like you could find yourself being like, oh shit, like chicken is like worse than this. And so what am I going to eat? Like, I can't eat this. And I don't want this to be like restrictive in any sense of like all like meat is good or bad or whatever, like what type of meat and good you feel good or bad about, but it's just interesting to explore in your own personal journey. So as an example, like replacing beef with chicken, isn't as good for the planet as you think. And here's why. While beef consumption has actually declined, chicken consumption has skyrocketed as like a consequence of that. So the industry must slaughter about 200 chickens to get the same amount of meat as they would from a single cow. The poultry sector also produces a lot of litter, which is a huge problem for people that live downstream from like poultry farms, like their water supply is like extremely contaminated. And that's kind of because, I mean, this is like gross, but uh, rather than like undergoing a treatment like human waste does, poultry excrement is spread on cropland as fertilizer. And since there's so much waste, it's not absorbed. So runoff goes into the fields, into streams, into rivers. And that's why it is a cross section with human health because people are now using that water if they unfortunately live and you know the disproportionate impact of like climate change it's going to hit like marginalized communities a lot more than white communities um the second thing when it comes to chickens specifically is that like there's extremely poor labor conditions when it comes to like poultry management, I guess, like if that's even the great word, poultry farms, I guess. Um, Workers on poultry processing lines, many who are women, immigrants, people of color are actually the most exploited in the United States with higher rates of injuries than most industries. And they perform repetitive motions for hours on end with very minimal downtime. There's a lack of labor unions in this sector, particularly. And as I was saying with human health, um, compared with the beef industry, the chicken industry uses double the antibiotic feed additives. And scientists across the board like warn about the dangers of that because like if your animal's eating that and reliant on animal on antibiotics, like that's gonna be going into you. And then it sucks because you think about all this and you're like, well, what if I can't afford get like the fancy like local farmer's market chicken like my chicken probably has like these additives in it or these like hormones in it and that's where I think like I like that's why we did this episode because I think it's important but then at the same time I'm just like I don't even go to the farmer's market and like get chicken from there like I don't have the money to do that so it kind of sucks but just providing that information for you guys um We did a big episode about like CAFOs and like what that even means, concentrated animal feeding operations. This is like what you see in like the food documentaries. They have a lot of negative environmental effects, extremely harsh on animals. They're kept in close quarters. They're not allowed to graze. It does not only like hurt the animals, but it also hurts the surrounding land, the water, the air, and the crowded conditions are also just like a breeding ground for disease to happen. So um, not only bad for human health because you are eating it for animal health because of the conditions, but also for the environment. So it's like killing all things. Um, As Emma kind of alluded to with regenerative agriculture, that would be a huge policy thing that would help you know, not only the food system, but climate change and human health. One thing that's like a small thing that I think I made a comment about in one of these episodes, because I feel like someone made a meme or like DM'd us about it of like, if you actually adjust, adjust dairy cows to eating seaweed, it reduces their methane emissions. And that used to be like a hinge prompt that I had for a while, but sick of dating apps. So it's like no longer on there. Um, next grazing techniques. Like Emma said, it's basically just, we have really poor management 
of what's what we're doing with our cattle. It can help keep soil healthy, the land healthy. So if we were to do things the right way, we wouldn't be in such a mess. Now, a lot of people asked about U.S. meat versus global meat as well. So it's interesting to learn that beef is produced more efficiently in the United States. Um, more innovations for better breed- breeding and feed avid- additives actually help farmers use fewer cattle to feed more people and decrease environmental impacts. Um, most of the U.S. cattle is raised on land that actually wouldn't be adequate to grow veggies and grow plant foods. And so it's actually efficient when you look at like the type of land we have here that like we are growing cattle. So that's just an interesting thing. And kind of like the last point before we get into more of like, okay, like what can I shop for and like the health side of it? It's just like the ethics. Like Emma and I both eat meat now. And like, do I think about it every time I eat meat? No, you might if you were in that place of like being vegan for a while and you're like, oh my God, what? I can't eat this. I'm a bad person. I just think it's really personal if you choose to eat meat or not for a lot of reasons. Eating meat can be an integral part of culture, tradition for people, religion, any reason like that. A lot of people are not going to have access to nutritionally sufficient plant-based diets. And I want you to think about that because I think a lot of people think you, everyone can go vegan and everyone can eat acai bowls. No, a lot of the things that are on vegan diets, once again, you can be entirely healthy on vegan, a vegan diet. I was for four years, took the supplements, did that stuff, had blood work, fine. But it is a lot to know what you are making yourself deficient in, like B12 being one iron being one, especially among women who are already like kind of prone to being deficient in iron and B12, a meat-free diet can sometimes increase the symptoms of like you feeling fatigue, depression, cold hands and feet, dizziness, eating disorders. Like I'm not saying like veganism is an eating disorder. Someone's probably going to think that, but I'm saying that the way to be an optimal vegan is pretty difficult to do so. And I think if you're just dipping your toes in it, like it's kind of risky. I also want to bounce off of that and also say too that, you know, protein is known to be one of the most like satiating, like macro food groups. And so I think with being vegan in order to actually be really fully like satiated from your meals, you either have to like have a lot of knowledge and like knowing how to like food combine to ensure you're getting a full amino acid profile to get like, you know, adequate protein, or you just have to like volume eat and eat like a shitload of vegetables, which is like not like an option for so many people who don't have like unlimited access to like grocery stores where they can like go and buy like three bins of arugula every and day then like I most feel of like, us and, and then so I it's f- like one of those things where it's like you know you kind of have to like pick and choose and be like hey do I want to do something that's like quote unquote better for the environment or something that like is actually going to be like more financially like you know beneficial for myself and like still like try to be healthy within those means but I think the next point just bouncing off it's so bad that my brain is prone to think about like being in this like in mindset of like someone's going to say this we're responding to Emma that we're stupid and we don't know about this I know that a lot of black and brown communities have been vegan if you look at history and look that like indigenous tribes have survived off of vegan diets yes I get that when you look at nutrition though of like you see those videos of like going vegan on a budget I feel like those were big in the early vegan YouTube days it was rice and and one vegetable and I think if you are in a place where you don't have like a lot of income and like those are your choices like are you getting a wide array of like that diverse plants of fruit and vegetables like no you're eating three things because it's like more expensive and like beans and rice are very inexpensive like potatoes are very like inexpensive I'm not defending any diet per se because it's like once again so personal what you want to put your money towards Mm -hmm. maybe you want to eat everything out uber eats and you like don't actually like want to cook anything ever like go do your fucking thing um but I just feel like there's a weird like like there's a weird thing when it comes to like veganism where it's like are we talking about like having an nutritionally like complete diet and that could go for any diet that could go for keto that could go for all the gym bros that literally just like only eat protein powder and like do not see a vegetable for five days straight like that's not a like quote well-balanced rounded diet either um but I think so much of it is just thinking about like calories and it's not like about like are you getting your selenium in or are you getting like a complete amino acid profile like Emma said so just some things to consider because I feel like that's a lot of what I have thought about now that I'm not vegan like you always feel like you have to defend yourself in some way which like you absolutely don't have to do like no one has to know if you're eating eggs or meat or not but I don't know maybe that's just like a gen z thing I guess the issue of having too many options when it comes to food. <laughs> yeah, God. Let's get into the next section, which is going to be more of like the shopping and kind of the health aspect. Okay. As I said before, it's really difficult to have any sort of like control financially of like choosing the quote best meat, right? You could be living with your parents. You could be on a college meal plan, having no idea what type of meat you're getting served. 
So who's going to be able to like, quote, make choices? Like not that many people, or you're not going to be able to make them all the time. Like maybe one time you're like, oh, I'm going to treat myself and go get like the special thing at the farmer's market, but probably not a regular occurrence. So outside of buying from your local farms, like if you even have access to that, you can order online and they have a lot of like frozen grass-fed meats shipped directly to your door. Emma's going to talk a lot about grass-fed and grain-fed beef in the next part. Um, beef is said to have a larger environmental impact than things like dairy, pork, fish, eggs, chicken. But once again, it's all about how things are produced, like really thinking about like, was this in an industrial agriculture, like with CAFOs or was this on a local farm? Um, it's also really important to consider the scale of meat production. Like, was it a small farm? Was it a feedlot? Like, that's another thing that's important when it comes to, uh, the ecological impact. Yeah. So like with grass fed and grain fed, I think there's a lot of push for grass fed and, you know, it's kind of a similar situation where everyone knows that probably like eating organic fruit is going to be healthier than having, you know, your standard fruit that was shipped a million miles away. So this is kind of like a similar concept, I would say, but kind of like actually understanding the differences, like what truly, you know, puts grass fed more like, you know, above grain fed. So basically the main difference comes down to like what the cattle ate. So with grass fed, this means that cattle are raised on a diet of only grass and plants um, that they are able to graze. And so one thing to note is that cows are ruminants, meaning that they are herbivorous animals that can acquire all their nutrients through a plant-based diet by fermenting plants and the part of their stomach called the rumen. So by nature, cows are intended to eat grass and, you know, other type of hay and straw. And so it's actually like, you know, most ethical to allow cows to eat the type of food that they're meant to eat. But when I was doing research, there's one thing that I didn't really know about, which is that there's actually a difference between just like, you know, meat that is solely grass-fed, but meat that is grass-fed and grass-finished. I watched this episode by Dr. Eric Berg on YouTube that I feel like gave a good quick explanation, but really just because something is grass-fed does not mean it is grass-finished. And so if something or if meat you know, in this case is grass fed and grass finished, it must say that it is grass finished. Um, otherwise it is going to likely be grain finished. And so this means that if something is grass fed, but grain finished, it means that cows started on a grass diet, but then were supplemented with grain feed or finished on a fully grain diet. And with grass finished beef, it can take up to 30 months to fully grow and fatten cattle versus grain finish, which takes about 10 to 15 months. So about half the time to get the beef to the correct weight for it to then, you know, be sent to get, you know, slaughtered and eaten. Right. And so opting for grain finished cattle is simply done to quickly get them to gain weight. And again, like meat industry, just like any other, and any other industry is like solely there kind of at the end of the day, just like make profit. And so most farms are going to do what makes most sense financially. And so if they're able to quicken the process of getting cows, like fatten up, like they're going to do that. And so cattle are not required to be hundred percent grass fed to get the grass fed label. So that's just like one thing to note, if you're like, really like want to get nitpicky into when it comes to, you know, purchasing meat, definitely look for the grass fed label. You can do some research on different brands, but yeah, so that's kind of something that I'm going to take into consideration the next time I buy beef because I do buy it occasionally. Um, but then getting into grain beef. So grain fed beef is going to be a high energy diet, which gets them to gain weight quickly. And this is basically about like how like 80% of cattle is raised. And this is why it's considered like kind of the conventional way of like growing and like slaughtering cattle. And so a grain-based diet is going to consist mainly of corn and soy. Again, this is not what the natural diet is intended to be for cattle. And so with grain-fed diets, these cattle will reach their target weight way more quickly than a cow that is eating grass, because again, there's way more energy and like calories in corn and soy versus, you know, just grass. So with grain-fed beef, there basically, you can have more beef per unit of land versus a grad-fest system. So again, it's going to be like a little bit more like financially, like, you know, positive for, you know, you know, companies to go about a grain fed beef diet, but grain based diets can alter the microbes of cattle and lead to a lot of diseases, which kind of gets in like to the whole ethics and like why grain fed beef is not like optimal. And this includes bloat, which is a digestive disorder, which results from an overaccumulation of excessive gas within the rumen and can lead to death and acidiosis, which is a metabolic disease and occurs when the microbes in the rumen produce more acid than what they can be used. And when the rumen pH drops below 5.6 
And when this pH level is too low for an extended period of time, it can result in a decrease in nutrient absorption and bacteria, which can produce toxins. This all has to do with basically the change in diet because how the cow's stomach is set up, it's like intended to digest and ferment grasses and not so much corn and soy. And so then when cattle get sick, they pump it up with like, you know, antibiotics. And that's kind of then like this like vicious cycle of like, basically if the cow is like sick and has diseases and has antibiotics, you're probably going to be like, you know, obtaining some of those antibiotics and consuming, yeah, a cow that was like pumped with all of that. Um, so then kind of getting to like the nutritional care comparisons of grass fed and grain fed. Again, if you like are trying to, you know, eat meat in the most ethical way, and you want to know, like, you know, if you're actually gaining like more nutritional like benefits from eating grass fed, then let's get into it. So there's this research that I was reading done by Dr. Stephen Van Vleit um, at the Department of Nutrition, Dietetics and Food Sciences at Utah State University, and then also the Bionutrient Food Association. And basically through this research, they found that the phytochemical richness of meat is directly related to the finishing diet of cattle. So either being grass or grain and that grass finished cattle have higher levels of phytonutrients, including polyphenols, carotenoids, and tocopherols. And this is largely because phytochemicals are derived from plants. And the biggest difference between grass finished and grain finished is going to be the type of plant that cattle consume. So kind of like, it just makes sense. Just like if a cow is eating what it's intended to eat, it's going to naturally be more nutritious than a cow that is eating something that is like a little bit more foreign to them. And also again, like a lot of these, like, you know, phytochemicals, the benefits that they include, um, you know, this includes anti-inflammatory effects and enhances the absorption of essential nutrients, because we all know that like polyphenols, they're all derived from plants. And that is where you are going to obtain, yeah, said polyphenols to get said, you know, health benefits. And so kind of like, why is this the case for why grass-fed versus grain-fed and like why you're going to get benefits from one versus the other is again, going to be due to dietary differences as this will influence the gut microbial populations and the rumen of the cattle, which I kind of discussed, you know, in the difference between grass and grain-fed and this, you know, dietary difference can influence the prevalence of phytonutrient compounds within the cow. And these compounds are going to be suppressed in grain fed animals due to the grain based rations that they are consuming. And these plant phenolic compounds are metabolized by the small intestine, um, the gut microbiota, and also the liver. And they impact the health of metabolism of animals and result the consumers of that meat. So, you know, again, we are kind of what our food or in this case, animals ate. And so really it's like the dietary differences is what sets these two apart. They also found that grass-fed has higher levels of omega-3s, which we all know have heart and brain health benefits and have a better omega-3 to six ratio. I just like want everyone to remember that we need both threes and sixes. So it's not like worth fully demonizing omega sixes. And also the research kind of showed that both grass fed and grain fed have pretty similar levels of sixes. So really just like the main benefit here is that, uh, grass fed is going to have a higher omega three profile. And again, having like excess of omega sixes can promote inflammation. So that's kind of like the main, like juicy difference between grass fed and grain fed. Again, grass fed is going to have a bit of a more premium price point because again, it takes a lot longer to raise these cattle. And just, I think there's a lot more, you know, it's not as efficient versus like grain fed, but hopefully, you know, again, as more demand comes, prices could go down. So, you know, at the end of the day, like you're still going to be fine if you're eating green fed meat. Like I definitely have consumed plenty of that all my life and I'm still alive. So don't think you're going to die. You know, if you do have green fed meat at like, you know, a restaurant or if you buy it once, like it's definitely just like trying to do the best that you can as an individual when it comes to your personal health and just like know that there's limitations based off of like, you know, money and so many other factors. Yeah. Now more about like, what should you do? I think a lot of people have experimented at least with like veganism, vegetarianism. And it's interesting because a lot of people like are to kind of declare like my stomach can never eat meat again. Like I've been vegan and vegetarian. And I feel like that's a lot about like, I don't know. A lot is just like, I feel like that's a lot out there, whatever. Um, if you've been a strict vegetarian or vegan for like a very long time, like it can have the possibility of lowering certain protein directed enzymes in your stomach, 
but it shouldn't be enough to halt your stomach from ever having like the genetic potential to produce, produce them again. So kind of like the ways to reincorporate meat after veganism, vegetarianism, some of the people that I've like, you know, researched like health doctors and stuff had said that like trying liquids before solids. So this would primarily be bone broth. Um, it's going to depend kind of also taste profile. Like so you might be grossed out by some meats, like, I don't know if that'll take time for you to get over. Like for me, I was like, I'm ready to eat a chicken leg. I don't know what that says about me, but for you, like it might be more difficult. So you might have to figure out like what's more palatable for you. Another thing that's important to do is to incorporate fermented foods. Like this sets the stage for optimal digestion. And when you are putting an entire group that you had like restricted and avoided for a long time, your body will need like extra help with digestion kind of starting with things that are more soft. Like I said, this is going to be eggs, yogurt, cheese. If you want to do any of those, when you look at the more of like the solid foods, incorporating fish first, then poultry, and then red meat is going to be the best roadmap for optimal digestion there. Also handling raw meat can be very overwhelming. I still am a little baby and I haven't gotten over that. I know Emma has cooked meat. Um, So maybe for a period of time, like you can go to a restaurant, you can order meat. That can be like your special like time to have it if you want to start eating it. Um, Now, when it comes to digesting food, I talked about this a few episodes ago in the intro, I think, but digestive enzymes. So what are these? These are not the same as a probiotic. This is something that like your body naturally has enzymes in its stomach. And if your body is not breaking down food properly, they are a supplement that you can take. So if you've ever experienced or heard about like a heavy feeling from eating meat, if you were vegan or vegetarian, you might benefit from taking digestive enzymes. One form that you should take is called betanine HCL. Take it with or before your meal, like it says on the pill bottle. Um, And the most likely, like the reason why you should consider this is just because like your body hasn't processed this before and it doesn't have an adequate amount of stomach bile to break it down. Like, as I said before, it's not like super serious that you're never going to be able to eat meat again, but just something to consider when you first start doing it. Another thing we got questions about is like meat and hormones. As I said before, like all the vegan docs are like, you will get the hormones of the animal and the waste into your body. And I feel like as a woman, you know, all of our girlies that do the seed cycling shit, like you might be like, oh my God, I work so hard to get my period back and I'm going to eat meat. And then my hormones are going to get fucked up. Not really. Um, When it comes to hormonal balance, certain protein sources serve you better than others. So if you eat protein with, you know, full amino acid profiles, like that will help you out. It'll help out hormones like estrogen and insulin, your thyroid hormone. When women eat grain fred, like hormone injected, kind of this like, quote, like inhumane meat you're thinking of, like that can cause like indigestion that can cause bloating, constipation. It can cause hormonal imbalance. Like yes, it can cause all of those things, but it's also common that like you could have like a great time eating meat. Like it could help with iron deficiency. It could help with B12 deficiency and that could help with depression. That could help with increased mood. Like it's more, once again, as I said before, it's a lot easier to eat meat and get that full amino acid profile and have like a more nutritionally kind of dense diet. If you're using meat as a supplement, kind of like Mark Hyman says of like, you shouldn't only be eating meat. You should still be eating plants and vegetables. Um, but once again, it is like has does have nutritional benefits of eating meat. So I wouldn't be too worried about like meat's going to like fuck with your hormones per se. Yeah. And I think also an important thing to keep in mind is that like correlation does not imply like causation. So just because you're eating meat does not like necessarily mean like that is like the true and tried like reason why you might be experiencing other like hormonal issues. Um, but kind of getting into like animal derived supplements, I think this is like worthwhile touching on just because there are some animal derived supplements to kind of help you guys figure that all out. So first is going to be collagen, um, which is a family of proteins found in animals and humans, and they help make up the structure of our skin, bones, cartilage, muscle, basically with like the purpose of helping tissues to be more elastic and withstand a stretching. It's talked often a lot about in like beauty and like skincare circles. Um, but these are going to be derived from bovine and marine and poultry. So bovine, mainly it's going to be found in cartilage, connective tissues, hides of cows and in poultry, kind of like chicken or eggs. And one thing that I want to make note is that collagen proteins cannot be found in nature. So that means vegan collagen supplements are not true collagen sources. So I just want to kind of like help you guys, you know, cause I think it can be really confusing on social media when you're shopping for your Buzzy wellness brands, just like see this like collagen supplement and say that, you know, it's like vegan. And I'm pretty sure just based off of like, you know, FDA and stuff like a vegan collagen supplement can't say that it's like 
you know, a true vegan collagen or supplement. Um, but I can say like, it's collagen boosting or whatever stupid things they can say on their products. Um, but I just want you to know that like, if you are going out and buying collagen, you got a vegan one, don't expect it to have the same benefits as like a true collagen supplement. Um, so rather like these vegan collagen supplements are going to be more like a promoter or builder of collagen production. And a lot of these products will contain vitamin C because it is like an antioxidant that the body uses to create collagen. Next we have whey. So this is going to be one of the two proteins found in milk. And this is the liquid part from milk that separates when you're like making cheese and whatnot. And whey contains high levels of essential amino acids that are quickly absorbed. And it's particularly high in an important branch chain amino acid like leucine, which for people who I feel like are really into like weightlifting, you probably know that leucine is going to be the most growth promoting amino acids. And that's, for example, why collagen isn't like a great protein source, even though it is derived from animals because it is pretty low in leucine. And most plant proteins are also going to be significantly low in leucine. Um, And there's going to be two different types of whey protein. So there's isolate and concentrate and really like the main difference is that with isolate, most of the lactose is going to be removed, making it a better option for those who are lactose intolerant. So for girlies who maybe are interested in having like a whey protein supplement, because maybe your like body just does better on that versus like plant-based, or maybe you're just like seeking to get like a more, you know, higher, you know, amino acid profile. That's kind of the difference between whey. Definitely, you know, if you can try to get grass-fed whey protein, um, and also just like be wary of a lot of protein powders because, so many of them have like, you know, heavy metals, which I'm like, what the fuck does that even mean? And yeah. like other talks. And I'm like, this like sounds so fluffy. Like, you th- how'd you yeah, like, like, nail what, in the smoothie? Can, you, can like... we explain this to me? Um, yeah. Next is beef liver. So I've been hearing a lot about beef liver on podcasts. <laughs> um, you and me Stephanie both. <laughs> loves ancestral something, something. Supplements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So beef liver, not the sexiest food. Um, it is though one of the most nutrient dense foods in the world. And it's loaded with the right sources of vitamins, minerals, proteins, and fats to support collagen synthesis, immune health, heart and brain health too. So for example, for vitamin B12, about like a hundred, you know, gram serving, it's going to have just about over like 2000% of like the recommended daily value. Choline, which I feel like they talk a lot about is, you know, choline, for example, for people who don't know is key for brain and nervous health, nervous system function. And women need about 425 milligrams per day. And we only make a pretty small amount from it, like in our own bodies. So we get a lot of it from our diet alone, but in a 100 gram serving of beef liver, there is going to be about 414 milligrams. So well, nearly about hundred percent of your recommended daily value of choline also high in vitamin A, iron, and copper. So it really is like a superfood. I have never had beef liver. I don't know if I would enjoy the taste of that, but there's a lot of supplements. So yeah, ancestral supplements. There's also another brand called Promix Nutrition that has beef liver capsules. So if you're someone who's like, I like need to, you know, get some sort of like iron supplement or I need more choline or vitamin B12 and you're uh, okay. open to taking beef liver. I'm going to interrupt you. How many of our listeners are thinking, you know what I need? Damn. I you know. I don't know. I, I, CMOS girlies can surprise you. I feel like right. some can get really crazy about supplements. Maybe this is like the next one that we take. You and I've been talking about exogenous ketones, but bro, no, it's just like exogenous ketones, this, that I can't yeah. I hear every fucking podcast. Yeah. Um, no beef liver. I've been interested in, I think for me, like, I don't know. It's like, I, why I don't need to pop a pill. Like sure. Whatever. I don't know what I'm going to feel from it. Like Maybe I, I wonder just... if it could like kind of supplement or almost replace like a multivitamin just based off of its like insane nutrition profile. Um, yeah. not obviously like as a direct one-to-one, but I think there's like ways where maybe a beef liver supplement could replace other supplements that you may. Yeah. Taking. I mean, like maybe we get into the biohacking with like the beef liver, I don't know, beef liver smoothie. Like, you know, when you, all those DIY recipes would be like, here's how to make your own probiotic yogurt, like split a probiotic capsule in half. Like mm-hmm. maybe I do something with beef liver like that. I don't know, dude. I think when we were talking off the pod, like between these little recordings about like, I'm uninspired by just life like we need to get back into like going going to like health nuts and like doing like goofy shit like getting the goofy supplements dude I was thinking about biking up to like health nuts or to Perlandra because I want to go tomorrow 
actually, yeah, I do want to go tomorrow because I am rekindling. so fucking tired of going to East Village Organics oh. just to get sesame seeds. And like, I look at their supplement section. I'm like, damn, this is garbage. It's Jaro's. That's like two things. I was like so depressed when I was there today. Yeah, dude, we're over. Let's tomorrow. We're going to go to Westerly, walk through Central Park health nuts i have to go to solid big, core that's the only the thing big loop um yeah i'm just working look at i can't get kate and i planning out our day tomorrow we need um, a stupid day like either that or perlandra like i don't know i need to like be no like, i need to like not be in the square that i generally reside in yeah my blocks well i need to just like think more about health and wellness and just i don't know yeah see my girls yeah, also yeah i have a question for all you see my girls maybe we can have like a nice chatty conversation in geneva how does everyone else like what is your current relationship with health and wellness are you like inspired by it do you think it's like boring right now like what are things that you like would like to see change in the future i'm definitely just like curious on like everyone's pulse on the or like content right like what content are you guys consuming do you guys still watch youtubers are we on tiktok and getting like mm-hmm. stupid shit do you like tiktok as i kind of said in the intro i personally hate wellness culture on tiktok i think like i said as health and wellness is becoming mainstream and stuff i just feel like cmos girlies like kind of what we stand for is not represented by that still even though it's like oh cool it's like everyone's like oh my god what is CMOS like normal people are like wondering that it's cool whatever but I'm just like I want my CMOS girlies to shine like we are the ones mm-hmm. and I'm really curious if you guys feel connected to it or not like I'm always saying also Emma and I are curious about like podcasting like I think more of you guys think of us as a meme page than a podcast to begin with but we're thinking if this becomes more of like a a weekly like what's like what's something in wellness culture like whether that's news related like a supplement a, a new dietary study or like a stupid thing on tiktok like if we make these episodes more of like weekly roundup style if you guys would like that more or if you do like the research because i know i've gotten some feedback from people of like i like your podcast because i don't have to listen to every episode like i can just like tap in and i don't have to you know follow them chronologically because some other podcasts they talk about like a trending news thing and if you don't give a fuck about that you're not going to go listen to it again so curious to hear what you guys say we all i might just like post this in geneva but um <gasps> yeah emma and i've been thinking i'm sorry if i sounded so just like depresso um i just think i have felt weird as a content creator like emma said in the intro of like i don't want to post anything because i just feel like i being an influencer is like dumb like not dumb like i find fulfillment in like certain aspects of it but i think parts of it I really question before I post anything of like how people are going to attack me for it not saying anything I post is stupid like I could post a video about like me going on a run and someone could find an issue with it so it's just kind of weird um and I hope that I didn't sound too negative in this episode or um you know we're just being true and honest with you guys we're not gonna pretend that we're if you made it to if if you made it to our mark and like point like minute five of this episode you can hear where my heart is at with the CMOS girlies because we love the CMOS girlies we love you guys I think it's just anytime you do grow or like reach a new audience you are just susceptible to people like not getting it and just kind of like you know coming at the thing that you've worked really hard to build and just like be a hater and like I'm fine with haters whatever I get them every fucking day but it's just like when it's for the CMOS girlies stuff I just I want to want to be sure we're having a a heart to heart good old time yeah, a good time bringing content that is useful because a lot of content is very not useful. Um, that being said, Emma and Kate might be hanging out tomorrow, posting some goofy stuff on the story. So yeah, like, comment, subscribe <laughs> if you like this podcast. Um, you know, thank you. Uh, we I sound so sad. I'm like, thank, thank you. you. Positive. Yeah, that would be tight to let us know if you like the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I like the podcast, but thanks, CMOS girlies come to you back with next week who knows what we'll be about but we'll chat um talk to you guys later bye